You are now tuned in to Westworld FM, a podcast about HBO's Westworld. My name is Alex. And this is Nick. Today we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 5 of the show, titled Zhuangzi. If you have not watched through Season 4, Episode 5, please pause this and go catch up. You can find more episodes of our podcast at westworld.fm, and you can send feedback to westworldfm at gmail.com. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Westworld or our podcast. If you enjoy this show or any other show on the Midwest Podcast Network, please consider heading over to mpn.bz slash Patreon or patreon.com slash MidwestPodNet and pledge as little as a dollar a month to make our network even better. Special thanks to Corey Z, Alan K, Tom Z, Jason K, and David O have all pledged at the level of $10 per month. Thank you guys very much. We very much appreciate your patronage. Uh, we got some feedback. Um, but before we get to that, I did want to comment, uh, Zhuangzi. Zhuangzi is a Chinese poet, is my understanding, or philosopher, I guess. Um, and someone on the, uh, Reddit, uh, post discussion pulled a particular, uh, uh, entry of his, um, also known as Zhuangzi. Uh, and so uh, this is uh, Disgracias dis Demente, who quotes Zhuangzi. I Once I, Zhuangzi, dreamt that I was a butterfly and was as happy as a butterfly. I was conscious that I was quite pleased with myself, but did I did not know that I was Zhu. Suddenly I awoke and there I was, visibly Zhu. I do not know whether it was Zhu dreaming that he was a butterfly or the butterfly dreaming that he, it was Zhu. Between zoo and the butterfly, there must be some distinction. This is called the transformation of things. Seems a little... Uh, so Someone also noted that uh, when Caleb and Maeve enter the like fly study part of the underground below Temperance, that it's called Project Chrysalis. So there could be some connection there. Mm. Butterflies, chrysalises, chrys, chrys, chrysalises. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the plural of that is. But anyway, uh, I thought that was interesting and kind of points to the the title of the episode. Uh, yeah, I did some, I did a little Google as well. Yeah. I figured it was something along those those lines. And uh, at the time I Googled, I copied and pasted an excerpt from what I found. But mm. since then, I've forgotten some of the context surrounding it. So, I didn't copy as much as I should have. Mm. But the sentence I have copied says, it was something about Zhuangzi's uh, view of, uh, or like his his philosophical kind of teachings or, or thought process was called Zhuangzi, like you said, or mm-hmm. if that's how you pronounce it, I don't know. But they say, this uh, particular sentence said, man may die indeed, but his essence as part of the universal essence lives on forever. This is the metaphysical view of immortality in the Zhuangzi. And I think that at the time that sentence popped to me, because I thought this is going to be something about how even if, uh, I just immediately thought of Caleb, because I'm like, yes, Caleb is dead, but is Caleb dead? Is his essence Mm -hmm. still existing in some form? I yeah, think well, the, the title's got to be pretty multifaceted for oh, its application. <laughs> yeah, what not not a shock for Westworld for sure, but right, exactly. Um, no, I think that fits very well with the idea of like these ho- the hosts are not 
the hosts need to take their immortality and they're not, it sounds like, or most of them are not. Uh, but we'll get into that a little bit in this episode, uh, in the sense of not many of them want to transcend, it seems, mm, or not yeah. as many as Hale would like. Hale-or- Sh- Sh- Charloris, Haloris, however you'd like to call her. They're but, just calling her straight up Hale now at this point. Yeah, well, it's the easiest, and nobody else is Hale. There's not another Hale running around anymore, you know? True. Right? So... Uh, I did want to get into some feedback. Uh, Christina wrote into us, not the Christina, a Christina, as far as I know. Maybe it's maybe it's <sighs> the Christina. I don't know. Uh, but I took some some bits out of her email. She said, "Hey guys, love the podcast. Just some thoughts. I love Maeve and Caleb's dynamic, and you couldn't stop this ship, friendship or more. It doesn't really matter. They are, in my humble opinion, soulmates." From sailing in my mind once they were introduced, I stated from day one it was about intimacy and not some wild theories what happened at the lighthouse. Uh, quote, I thought I was sure I wasn't going to see you again, not when you saved my life, but afterward. It may also explain why Uwade was crying when she saw Maeve. She had to know that that was the woman by his bedside all those weeks, and she was his nurse, and I think that she had more than just his PTSD. Uh but of his undisclosed lingering feelings for Maeve, despite being in a happy relationship in his life. Uh, kind of like William Dolores without all the psychotic behavior afterwards, I also appreciate the absolute selfishness of Maeve's character, choosing to allow Caleb to live uh, a chance to live and have something to live for, but in the end couldn't help but search him out. It's about love, no matter how you define that love, and that is the most beautiful aspect of the host and human relationship that binds us. Is it host or human that needs saving in, or the humanity that is shown within both species? Maeve definitely found her new corner, cornerstone in Caleb. You're probably the only podcast that is actually excited for this relationship, which is ulti- which ultimately is the kind of bridge, right? Question mark. Uh, no, I think those are great points, Christina. Um, this, this line in particular, is it host or human that needs saving or the humanity that is shown within both species? I think that's a pretty beautiful and salient point uh, for the series as a whole. <laughs> I agree. Which is pretty good. But um, no, I think that sheds a good amount of light on the Maven Caleb dynamic. Um, Christine also went on to mention that, uh, you know, we mentioned that the Maven Caleb at the lighthouse was kind of not as cool as we thought it would be with with you know the riots and whatnot and like strike force kind of taking out Rehoboam uh but this was all filmed in in COVID which I think excuses some of it but also kind of like they could have faked it a little bit better I think if that was the impression but you know there's a lot of context left on the floor with those eight years that we didn't really see yeah so the show does sometimes speed past potential action sequences. Mm-hmm. And I can't really be mad at it because there's a lot, there's a lot going on in this show. Yeah. Um, it happens in this episode too. There's an opportunity for like some action and they just kind of skirt past it. And I kind of just mm-hmm. was like, would have liked a little bit of something more, but <laughs> it's okay. I'm not going to like more than real- just a shot of Ken Marino, almost bouncing a basketball on the basketball Dude, court. And then don't, don't tease me. <laughs> Uh, one final point from Christina's email. I think Hale is keeping Caleb around and made him as a host as he defied her. And and considering he was already an outlier, she just initially wanted him as a pet. It would tie into her discovering how to break the resistance. Mm-hmm. However, it's also possible uh, 
disturbingly, it's the same reason she keeps William in the basement. Caleb was important to two people in her life, which already made him worthy to live. And she really does have a warped sentimental attachment for her own loneliness, as Lisa Joy expressed about the reasons she is keeping William alive. Yes, for revenge, but these broken connections are the only connections she has. It could explain why she never searched for Bernard or Maeve, as despite their odds on the, uh, odds on the spectrum of her world, uh, they are a few of a handful of sentient beings like herself. I find that part more fascinating. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly like a lot of the comments about why she made William, the William host in this episode, make it feel like... Well, I needed a tool, and also it's kind of cute that you're designed after him because I hated him and I wanted him to suffer, (laughs) kind of. But yeah, no, I think that I think that makes sense, and you know, I'm sure we'll learn more about the Caleb situation next episode or by the end of the season. I guess. Did this email come through after this episode premiered? No, this uh, this was uh, between the two episodes. Okay, because so a, was... a lot of that gets addressed, I think, in this episode. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll get on to a lot of that. But Christina, thank you very much for writing in. Yeah, we very much appreciate it. And WestworldFM at gmail dot com is where you can write in and have your words butchered by me on this very podcast. Uh, but let's get into this recap here. Okay. Uh, We open with a William monologue about creating the perfect world. He's sitting at a dinner table with people acting like old friends of his, and he starts to torment them with the reality of the situation, that he could do whatever he wants to them, and they will never remember. Um, That's a lot wrapped up in just two a couple sentences, but I thought this was horrifying. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, the horror element of the show has really ramped up and I mm-hmm. don't, I don't know that in any season prior, I would have called it like flirting with the line of horror. Even when like Wyatt Dolores is kind of rampaging through the park and just shooting people. It's not nearly it's just as upsetting. It's not even like, yeah, it's just like, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of blood going everywhere, but yeah. it's not horror. It's just, you know, right. Yeah. Which you know, is, this yeah. kind of, this felt very uh, funny games and Michael Haneke to me, <laughs> just mm-hmm. like I'm very uncomfortable with what's happening right now. And I, the existential horror on these people's faces as William just bol- baldly tells them like, you guys are just my playthings. I'm going to fuck around with you and do what I want. Yeah. Uh, it, it was horrifying. And the mm-hmm. fact that like, there's a whole world of that now for hosts to just, messed with but that just shows you how horrifying westworld was as a concept too oh for sure right? yeah the a, shoes on the good, other foot now and absolutely it's, it's funny how it wasn't it wasn't as upsetting before but yes now that the you know the tables have turned it's yeah it, it got worse when he came back that to me uh, <laughs> that's that's when it really just cemented because it was in the performances of those two people it was so good yeah well and the fact that they're just like sitting there looking at their dinner and now they can't even eat their dinner while he's gone. Yeah. And, and they're like trembling and they kind of uh-huh. are looking at each other and like kind of want to communicate, but like can't necessarily. <laughs> it was just horrifying. Yes. Yeah. So good. Absolutely. And Ed Harris is, you know, this episode, this is not the only instance, but right away in the scene, I thought, Oh, it's kind of nice to open Ed up a little, let him breathe, let him mm-hmm. express a little more range than just anger. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, a little bit less RoboCop and a little bit more like, you know. That's so funny that you said that because later in this episode, I thought like, man, him and Peter Weller are starting to kind of look <laughs> the same. Uh, there was something about this episode yes. that made me think like, man, Peter Weller should be a host in this show or something like that. They, I don't they, know. They've, they've kind of dovetailed into a very similar look. Uh, as the, they've gotten we need older, the, we need the Peter Weller, Ed Harris, uh, old siblings comedy. Oh my gosh, road, road so comedy. Um, that'd be so good. It's <laughs> called Old Weller. No, oh. uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if there's anything else specific. Uh, well, th- there's a good line from William. I've been asking myself that question for a very long time. Did I really play any part in it, or am I just a sum total of my of my code? Am I just fooling, or am I just fooling myself, just like you? Um, and it's interesting because that is a question that William clearly like has in his head, even in season two. But this is host William, and he's been kind of thinking about this idea for the twenty-three years that he's been, you know, or however long he's been in service, basically, right? Yeah. Like in the literal sense of is he the sum total of his code? Um, so yeah, I, I'm sure we're going to get to more about host, how, how similar host William and human William really are. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, maybe that maybe, maybe human William questioning himself like that makes host William a particularly weak link in the chain as you had kind of commented on earlier in the season. So, yeah, this episode gave me a lot of what I was hoping for, so I was pretty thrilled. Yeah. Just up front, I really loved this episode. I don't remember the last time that I've wanted to immediately rewatch an episode of Westworld. And there's so many I've really enjoyed for a long time now, but you kind of said, I think, in our mid-season coffee break with uh, the game nerds and Erica, uh, I wouldn't dare lump her in with the, under the banner of game nerd. Uh <laughs> that you think this is the best the show has been since season one. Mm-hmm. When you said that, I was kind of nodding, thinking like, yeah, I think from an objective point of view, but I also really kind of have a weird, uh, indecipherable soft spot for season three. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, yes, this is the best the show. Like for me, this is the best the show has been since season one. The thing about season three to me is that it was a big swing. It just mm-hmm. didn't quite connect for me. And I really admire them going in that, bold different direction in season three yeah but season four feels like as you had mentioned a very interesting course correction that kind of brings those two halves together very well better than i thought they could be married and wedded i think it's i I was surprised that they could get here again yeah um and so relatively quickly too in the the span of tv because i think about like season one of lost and how it I, I say is still incredible. I think it's like one of the best seasons of TV. Uh, it's just, it feels like such a relic now because it's so long. It's back mm-hmm. when they were like 22 episode mm-hmm. seasons and 45 um, minute episodes, oh, dude. Ugh. But season two is like, eh. and then three, I do not like season three of lost. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people like three more than two. I still like two more, but two is like, not great. It's fine. Uh, three i don't like but then four starts to get interesting and by the time you hit like four and five and lost it like gets back to like being phenomenal i remember thinking season five was just the shit 
and it took a while to kind of get back into that gear. But uh, with this show, I, I like I caught myself midway through this episode thinking like, yes, like real real time wise, it has been six years, but in the in the span of number of episodes and, and amount of screen time things have kind of gotten back on track really quickly, I think. Yeah. And I would yeah. still, I would say the only real missteps were parts, most of season two, but even then it's still good. Yeah. But I just saw this, oh, I should have sent it to you. Maybe we can put it in the show notes. If I find it and send it to you, there was a, a Twitter thread about the viewership of Westworld. Mm. And now it has just plum- <laughs> con- continually with every season, just gone like, a, like just dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped where you know, I'm still not convinced that there's going to be a season five. <laughs> I really hope so. But even during this episode, I caught myself thinking like, man, this has got to be an expensive show to make. And it looks, I mean, it shows, it looks so great. It feels so great. Like it's clearly so well made. And I think it's so engaging and interesting now and kind of getting back to kind of the the thesis of what the show is ultimately trying to to be about. And it just, it's got to end well. I really hope mm-hmm. it does. I feel like we're going to have this exact discussion on every single episode for the rest of the season. We're going to just so. talk about yeah. it. <laughs> I, you know, I think it'll be very interesting to see, but I think they're, uh, I think they'll get a season five because I, a lot of those ratings do not incorporate, uh, uh, like streaming. HBO Max. Yeah. Yes. Sure. So yeah, there's, you know, yeah, there's a point. lot, there's a lot of, uh, potential viewership not being counted there. Um, and also like I had mentioned previously, the, the content churn that is maybe starting to shrink with Netflix kind of canceling a lot of their stuff uh, as their subscriber count starts to wane a little bit. Um, I think, I think Westworld will get this last season, even if it's just like a, we want Nolan and joy to be happy working with us and mm, to yeah, be able to finish sure. their, their story. But no, it is interesting. Wikipedia does have some notes here. 88 million budget for season one, 107 million budget for season two, 100 million for season three. These are all have pluses after them. So who knows what that means? Uh, but nothing for season four necessarily. So I wonder if it's kind of, you know, it crested with season two and then things kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now uh, let's continue with our recap here. Uh, Clementine pulls William away from his dinner to deal with a two-year-old host named Hope that has won the game. She hunted an outlier but has gone on a killing spree. And William has uh, William has her return to where she came from before going back to his friends at the restaurant. Uh, yeah, this also continues the horror. <laughs> this everything from when clementine showed up and started talking about the situation just just owns <laughs> it's so sweet i absolutely loved it i just was like just grinning like an idiot because i was like now we're getting into this like getting into this psychology of hosts now and mm-hmm. how they're gonna start to deal with kind of being on top so to speak and you know, we're getting into the the kind of sociology of them and the psychology of them and even like kind of the economy of them, like just getting to explore them as an actual species. And uh, yeah, all these little kind of proper nouns 
and stuff like, oh, a two-year-old host. I was just like, what does all this mean? And I was <laughs> so into it. I, I was so into it. I was grinning like an idiot for sure. When he was talking, when William was talking to her and he's like, do you know who I am? Do you know what it means that I'm here? I just was like, fuck <laughs> yeah, tell me what it means, man, because I want to know too. I was so into it. I just was, yeah, just beside myself with like. I want to see the host PowerPoint that they show you when you're born. That's like, it goes, <sighs> you click to page two and it's just a picture of Ed Harris. The one that I used with him smiling with yeah, glee yep, yeah. In, the, in, the, in the tuxedo. Yep. It says, if you see this guy, you fucked up. He, shit is going to go sideways <laughs> on you. Yeah, it's... See, this episode... Uh, th- this season, there's been a lot of, like... I feel like notes from both of us about, like, oh, this feels like show X. This feels like movie mm-hmm. Y. This feels mm-hmm. like... And I think that the show is really, really starting to just wear its influences on its sleeve. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> I think... I'm not even going to be like, oh, they they took that from you know this they took this from terminator they took this from blade runner they took this from robocop they took this from the matrix there's a lot of that and i don't i don't care because it's awesome yes because they're dressing it up in their own mythology and they're they're putting their own spin on it and if you're gonna steal steal from the best man that's what they say we get two tears and rain speeches in this episode (laughs) we get some they both are really fucking like impactful too they're both really incredible and there's like some straight up like this is the plot of the matrix shit like this scene when i made that uh neo and trinity comparison Mm -hmm. uh between teddy and christina in the restaurant i did not think it would start to run as deep (laughs) as it did but it's it's so cool. Like I'm, I'm a hundred percent on board for it because mm-hmm. like they've, they've been so original for so long and clearly, I mean, as original as you can be when basing it on like a book and an existing movie and all that, but uh, they're really starting to like pull in these, some of this territory that's been well-worn, but it doesn't feel lazy. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. boring. It feels awesome. So I, I'm so high on it. I really wish the next episode was out like tonight yeah. or tomorrow. Yeah, I remember. Well, and I remember giving the show a lot of shit when the season last, when season three ended with the Fight Club ending. You know, uh, yeah, that was a bit, that, that, that was a bit of a bridge too far. Which, yeah, that could have been maybe the first step on that. But it, but it, it's the most baldly like we're gonna do this and use it for the same purpose. Whereas I feel like a lot of the stuff that they're pulling in now that you're talking about is being very much you know recontextualized within their mythology like you had said yeah um and and i can certainly appreciate that yeah i this this scene in particular like i guess them walking into the room with hope everything before that felt very like like seven ish to me you know Mm -hmm. like maybe a little more sparse than that because seven it's very much like we're in this apartment and there's shit everywhere and you know that type of thing but um but yeah, even just the the interactions between like Ed Harris, you you had mentioned they let Ed Harris open up a little bit. It feels like this um, in the twenty three years that we haven't spent with Robot William. I think Robot William has gained more of his own personality, and he has diverged from William in mm-hmm. little ways, and you see that a little bit here he's a little more torturous and, and just the fact that he's wearing a a contempt for humans and hosts in this scene, uh, I think 
I think it's very interesting kind of seeing like, all right, well, human William ended here didn't end, but, uh, and host William picked up from there and the nature versus nurture of like, what did this experience turn host William into? I think is very interesting. Yeah. Host William has really big. I didn't ask to be born energy. Yeah. Like he's, and some of it is very like nasty, but also he's, he's got a very like, uh, contemplative like sadness to him mm-hmm. where he's kind of questioning his place in things even though someone can ask him like what what are you what's your thing and he's like oh it's whatever she tells me to do it's her world that kind of thing like he acknowledges his station as like a servant essentially like as a as a general but it's clearly not satisfying mm-hmm. oh, i do want to put a pin in that idea for like the very end of the episode because he had a he had one line in particular that maybe kind of raise an eyebrow and say like oh yeah, this is we'll just, get there. it's just so good. It's so, it's all of it's so good. Um, I think we'll touch on more of the game and hunting outliers and whatnot later on. Is there anything else here that you want to talk about? The performance from hope was great too. Yes. Absolutely. Clementine's awesome. It's just, man, it all rocks. Yeah, for sure. Um, next up, Maya is still having nightmares, but Christina had a good time talking with Teddy. Christina heads to work and starts to write a narrative that sounds familiar when a call from Teddy asks her to play hooky. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I feel like the Christina stuff is, I'm glad we're getting somewhere with it now because it was just starting to wear a little thin for me. I agree. The waking up the same way every time. Let's have a little <laughs> chat. It just felt very formulaic of like, she wakes up, she talks to Maya, she goes to work, something happens at work. And then, you know, like it, it just, we, I was getting there with the loop. It was getting to me, but I, I get, I'm, I get I'm, that. Yeah. I th- I'm glad that we're kind of getting out there now, but, um, that's where I have to, I have to play, I have to play John and say, but it's by design. Like they did it that way. Sure. On purpose. Absolutely. Yes. That means it's working. <laughs> they turned me into an outlier, and now I'm going to go and look at the tower in the sky and contemplate life. That's funny, because I clearly had the same thought. I'm looking at my notes, and it says in all caps, oh, look, Dolores is waking up. <laughs> must have just been like, oh, the exact same thing again. Well, the good news is they only had to shoot that once, you know, and they right. just drop it in the timeline wherever they need to. Go to, the, um, go to the bin of the reusable assets and throw it in there. My note, my note here that I want to highlight is Teddy talks to her like Morpheus in the Matrix. <laughs> so good. Yep. I, I, might, I have a note that just says this. This is straight up the Matrix now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. He does. He's like a combination of Trinity and Morpheus. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think I have a note later that calls him. He's got the ass of Trinity and the I, voice of Morpheus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Later, I have him referred to as. Tedinity. <laughs> I hope we see him in the leather outfit with the sleeveless. Doing a swan kick. The, the slick back hair. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. I mean, I'm you're going to find somebody as, as pretty as Carrie Ann Moss. You, you don't have to look much further than James Marsden. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, I did. Finally... But even, even, yeah. That, even that shit with Teddy and like talking to her by the pier and being like, what do you see? And all that. Like the dialogue in the moment could have all been so just rote and mm-hmm. it wasn't, it felt exciting. 
Yeah. Which is nuts. Cause like, as yeah. I'm watching it, I'm thinking we've literally seen this shit before. And like, <laughs> I should have, now I should have seen all this coming, but at the same time, it never occurred to me that whatever Christina is, we still don't, I, in my opinion, we still don't know whether she's human, you know, amp, human plus or host plus, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, it never occurred to me that all these beings in New York or Manhattan, whatever it is, straight up can't see certain things mm-hmm. like that never occurred to me. And as soon as he's like, what do you see? And she's like, nothing. And I was like, Oh, she literally just can't see more world on the other side of the Bay or whatever. And mm-hmm. I just was like, why didn't I think of that? It was, uh, which is funny. Actually, I, <laughs> I need to interject this. I forgot to send you this picture. And tell you the story, but I'm going to tell it on the podcast because it's relevant. My ta- uh, my uh, daughter, who's a little over two and a half, um, I was sitting with her at the table. And she's really crafty and really smart. And she just learns like a little sponge. <clears throat> um, I was sitting with her and she wanted, usually I have to like kind of barter with her with food sometimes. Like if she's like, oh, I want some more pretzels. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, well, you got to eat like two more pieces of fruit. And usually she's like, okay. And I think you're not supposed to do that, but you reach a point it where it's like, you just do it. Yeah. Cause <laughs> yeah. I think in a, in a perfect world, you tell them, no, no, not right now or something. And they just do whatever, but that's not really realistic. I think, <clears throat> but anyway, it works out fine. Cause she just doesn't throw a fit. But the other day, and she's never done this before. She hasn't done it since. And it was like, it was sometime last week. I think at, at like lunch or dinner, I asked her to eat more of, I think she had like chicken nuggets on her plate. And I was like, well, eat one more. She had two left. And I was like, eat one more chicken nugget. And then you can have that. And she goes, I don't have any more chicken nuggets. And I was like, I pointed to her plate. I'm going to give two right there. And she said, I don't see any, daddy. And I was like. (laughs) This doesn't look like anything to me. (laughs) It was exactly it. Exactly. And she was so serious and just looking at me. And she like had sat back in her chair. And I took a picture of her. And it was so funny. And then she made this face where she kind of wrinkles her nose. And she's like there's nothing there, daddy. And she's like, I d- and it was so funny. And I was trying really hard not to laugh and like encourage her. Yeah. But then I just took a picture and I, I will send it to you uh, later. Please but do. It, it's really funny. I will appreciate it. But right it away, I just thought of Bernard and I was like, no, you're lying. <laughs> They're right there. Oh, that's beautiful. But anyway, yeah, that's, yes. it's just so funny how like the humans have become the hosts Mm-hmm. And I know that even in the Discord, we were saying the proper nouns were getting confusing for a minute because it seemed like the show was actually going to flip its vernacular around a little bit. Yeah. But it didn't. And I'm glad it didn't uh, because we've come this far. Um, but like, so we know that the humans are like in the host role now. But like, it, I just am such a dumb dumb because I'm like, oh, why did I not think that that rule for the hosts would apply to the humans now? Yeah. And it totally does. It's great. Yeah. It's That's so very good. interesting that the fact that they can kind of that that was something it's something that you know we just won't ever really get the nuts and bolts on but the idea of like not only is it programming what they do and say but what they can see like that parasites in the brain and that that parasite controls that now well in um, that in that they are their own histories and memories are like initially I thought okay there's this organic disease that these flies are, they're, they're controlling them. So they have control of them. Mm-hmm. Cool. But it goes beyond that. They're actually erasing their like identities and replacing them with, with programming. Yeah. Which is even more <clears throat> nefarious. And I just watched it and I was like, oh man, it, it goes even deeper. Yeah. They are 100% trying to replicate 
what were once hosts. Erasing them, but also it's still there in they're the sense of them, my, I guess. Uh, yeah, they're, yeah, it's they're they're trying to erase it the same way that they tried to erase the hosts. I think right exactly. So. Yeah, yeah. You're you're trying to write over that data, but it still exists. You just have mm-hmm. to know how to unearth it. Yeah. Uh, all right. I think we'll get to more Christina and Teddy soon, so we'll keep going. Um, aboard Charloris meets William in the streets and ruminates on the nature of the God slash creation relationship. Um, yeah, this scene of of the humans dancing in the street and Charloris asking, yes, uh, Charloris asking for a chair, and the human chair comes together. Um. I find it fun that like the humans when they freeze aren't as good at it as the hosts are. <laughs> yeah, they're a little you know. twitchy. Yeah, a little bit twitchy. And I had to like I wondered when she sat down on the chair. Like uh, I I have to assume that when you do a scene like that when they cut, they would put some support behind those people that are like, you know, straining their bodies to support a human sitting on them. But it almost seems like there could have been some direction of like, we want you guys to struggle with this a little bit. I want you to kind of vibrate and wiggle and show that you're not, you're not a host, you're a human and you're trying to do it and you're not as good at it. I think I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I did. That's a great point. I didn't even think about the fact that all those actors are probably like Cirque du Soleil performers or something that have insane control and, and muscle, but that human bodies will eventually just give out. Uh-huh. Like the guy's hands were just disgusting and all busted and bloody when he was playing the piano. Well, and we that? know that when they were doing that stuff in season one, they with the hosts, they were very much digitally assisting the actors and actresses in ways to yeah, make them true. appear more still than that. So very much, it might just be like a, we're going to not bother to cover that up here because they're humans. They're more yeah. imperfect at it than the hosts are, which I think is fun. It's an interesting way to like, paper over that right that's a good point yeah i i i thought that was very interesting um but yeah what what did you think about charloris's kind of monologue here asking about the old gods and being a bored god and i thought it was great (laughs) yeah i really the the source of olympia entertainment then made more sense because i was like she she makes she makes this reference to Mount Olympus and the gods mm-hmm. coming down. And I love, there's just, there's too much to take away from this scene. The dialogue is so juicy and so rich that I was literally typing out whole sentences just so I could think about it and come back to it later. That's kind uh, of how most of my notes devolve. Like yeah. the sections get longer and longer because I just start writing out line for line <laughs> what's going on in them. But yeah. No, I love that idea that, she brought up where she thought, okay, so the old gods came down from Olympus and the humans thought it was because the gods were coming down for the humans' benefit. But what if the reality was that the gods were just bored and wanted some stuff to do? Mm-hmm. And and it, it, it evolved mingling with the humans. This also felt very preacher to me. Yeah. In the sense of, you know, just kind of like bored god or scared god or whatever kind of god just kind of being among the creation, I guess, or the failure that they made, that kind of thing, I thought yeah. was kind of interesting. This is where I started to think. It honestly it reminds me a lot of uh, Doctor Doom. There's been mm. multiple kind of Doctor Doom storylines in the comics where he becomes, I mean, at one point he does straight up become 
omnipotent. He becomes the the god of God Emperor Doom. He becomes the god of the universe, and he eventually gets bored because he's like, "What do I have to do now? Like I've conquered yeah. everything. I've done it all. Like what's left?" Uh, which is funny because I, you know, on its face, you're like, "That'd be great." Like, why would I not want to be <laughs> at the top? But then I actually, I was thinking about this today. I thought about when I first was able to install mods on Skyrim, how <laughs> I just went nuts and it was really fun. And you get like God mode and infinite money and all this other kind of stuff to make the game a cakewalk and to kind of be able to dick around and just literally do whatever you want. But it becomes boring so quick and you inevitably go back to either like minimal mods or just the vanilla game because what's the point? If you don't yeah. have some degree of challenge or something to strive for or something to aim for, uh, which is funny because like Gojo, friend of the show, friend of the network, uh, who is like Mr. Go crazy with video games and break the game. When I texted him after I've been playing Skyrim with mods for a while and I was like, you know, it's great. And there's some really cool mods and he had pointed me in the direction of some fun stuff. But I was like, I'm just starting to get a little bit bored. And he was like, oh, it breaks the game for sure. He's like, it, it no longer becomes about having a video game experience. You're just like playing around, but mm-hmm. you, it loses all the kind of uh, momentum that it had going for it. And it's funny because like, I was kind of wondering, and I think we even kind of crept around this thought with episode four, like why is Hale keeping Caleb around? And I, I don't remember if I said it out loud, but I remember thinking like just hubris, just villain, bad guy monologuing. I did. I did mention this because I talked about like yeah. Doctor Evil leaving the room and that kind of shit. And like we always say, like, why are you talking? Just kill him or like yep. that kind of thing. Because I mentioned Hank Scorpio, I believe exactly. Yes, yeah, because it's like it's human nature. And even William says at some point we're we're modeled, but we're made in their image, and like mm-hmm. we have their same appetites and their same faults. Like when uh, uh, Hale's trying to be like, why aren't more people transcending? Kind of thing, and he's like, no, oh, they're attached to their bodies now. Like they don't want to. Mm-hmm. We we suffer from the same deficiencies that they did ultimately, which I think is such a great examination to crack into. Um, yeah. oh, just all the questions that the show is starting to raise, it bumps me out that it's not reaching a wider audience at this point because I had a conversation with a friend the other day, and I won't get into it, but he was he was asking me certain pointed questions about religion and nothing confrontational mm-hmm. and nothing like uh to to make anybody in the conversation uncomfortable or try to change or defend their stance on religion. But I feel like this, sh- this show Westworld now is kind of raising similar questions and just making you start to reason out why you feel a certain way. Yeah. Someone would be like, how do you feel? And like, you say it like this. And then that person says, why? We'll start to think about what, why do I feel that way? Like that's, yeah. you know what I mean? About anything like what, how you feel. It's, it's, it's annoying and frustrating to be challenged like that. But I think the show is doing a great job of kind of raising those questions and making you think about your, why you feel the way you do about reality and about the world and your purpose and et cetera, et cetera. And I Absolutely. just can't wait to see that continue. That's more of the preacheriness that I was feeling too. Sure. I feel like that's very thematic uh, with, with preacher. Um, there was a there was a line from uh, our dear Robert Ford from season one, episode five, 
Uh, a greyhound is a racing dog, spends its life running in circles, chasing a bit of felt made up like a rabbit. One day we took it to the park. Our dad warned us how fast that dog was, but we couldn't resist. So my brother took off the leash, and in that instant, the dog spotted a cat. I imagine it must have looked just like that piece of felt. He ran, never saw a thing as beautiful as that old dog running, until at last he finally caught it. And to the horror of everyone, he killed that little cat, tore it to pieces, and then he just sat there confused. That dog had spent its whole life trying to catch that thing, and now it had no idea what to do. <laughs> the Joker talking about the dog trying to catch a car, uh, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah, I think, I think that's interesting, and obvi- but obviously, I think the conversation is very much uh, at least that follows in the following scene is Hale stating like, "I know what I want to do, but I don't know how to get there. I know that I want people to transcend, but I don't know." how to make that happen uh and therefore she's just kind of stuck making people dance in the streets and you know play music fast and slow and it's funny because she, she tries to act like she's taking the high road at the end of that scene she's like williams like why don't you just make them and she's like because that's what they would do and for a minute yes. i'm like oh that's good but at the same time like you're also worse because you're you're knowingly torturing these sentient beings like i think if I don't know. I'm sure I'm wrong. There's a minority that would still be evil. But I think if the extent of the humanity of the hosts was revealed to the general human race, most of them would be like, well, this seems really wrong. We shouldn't be doing this. There's obviously, there would be a a minority, hopefully, only a minority that would say, no, that's what they're there for. (laughs) We made them that way. We created you for that. Exactly. But Hale is worse because she knows what humans are and she's still putting them through this. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of funny that hypocrisy to be like, that's what they would do. Okay. So that's where you draw the line. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> well, and the thing that kind of rang true with that for me was the, um, as you were kind of talking about a little bit and her creating William, um, when Dolores made Teddy her killing machine in season two and his like deciding to not comply with that anymore, you know, the idea of like forcing someone to do something they don't want to do. And then ultimately they figure out a way out of it as well. Um, you know, I think that rings very true. Uh, but yeah, uh, so I mean, the next scene I just wrote uh, at the host day spa, we see transcendence occurring. William and Charlotte discuss the fact that hosts are not living up to their potential. They're just falling for human vices. So it seems like to me, transcendence is host being uploaded to a digital world. I don't know if it's the sublime or not. I don't know if they gained access to the data and the sublime or if they just sprung up a new hard drive that is like empty space that human or hosts can go and you know it's a new minecraft server being seated or something like that <laughs> but i you know <laughs> i i still don't know quite how they would get that data from uh you know unless they brute force it or whatever but i guess they don't really care about that question right now at least so i love the idea of all the hosts looking like the little poly <laughs> characters from minecraft just be yeah. reduced to that i want to see it in minecraft ed harris they, they have to upgrade the uh the, the shaders on the server to make sure everybody can they got to get the the latest ray tracing in there i am curious if they're going to delve into what exactly transcendence is and i i don't know that they have to i'm not positive that they will but i would kind of have like 
would like a little bit more of an idea of what it means. I mean, I think based on what we see that your, your theory is pretty sound that it's some kind of digital, uh, afterlife. And well, there's a whole 2014 film called transcendence. If you want to kind of get into it, no, I'm just kidding, but <laughs> I have never I seen it. It actually. does feel a little bit like the singularity sense of like, you know, the humans uploading their minds into the data, but this is hosts now need needing to choose that. That was the other thing that I glossed over was William. William has a line in the street to her where he says, uh, I think what you want me to think I made off your code. We all are. Mm. So like literally every host that exists is just a creation of Charlotte's. Right. And you mentioned the fact that hope is like a two year old host. It's like, what if you could just control C control V a human from you and then like what are you doing are you in the sims like adding points to their fucking bulk app perception or whatever it is like what what did how is hale even making these hosts and is it even like a meaningful society to just kind of like birth all of these creations out of your own brain into existence like but i guess at the same time the humans were making hosts that way too in a lot of ways right I didn't form a very good question for you to react to. No, so, no, know. no. I'm, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> thinking about it. Uh, I guess what the 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 line that we need to connect or need to have drawn for us is whether or not all the hosts that are in the real world were pulled out of the sublime, and Hale was like, "Hey guys, check out what I got going for us. It's a sweet gig." If you don't want it anymore, you know, stick around here for a while. And then when you're ready to be uploaded into this new server, I pulled you out of that one. Here you are as like a waiting room. And then I've got this ready for you uh, when you're ready kind of thing. And that's kind of how I'm interpreting it, I guess, is that. But that's what I want to know ultimately is like how how all these hosts got there, where they're from, because. There's a line. To, to say that there's a two year a two year old host. Okay, is this a new host that was made by Hale and just put put into the world to be another tick on the population counter, or is this a host that was brought out of the sublime only two years ago? Like, are they? I guess it's probably the former. It's probably a host that was made only two years ago, and you say, "Hey, I ushered you into this world. Check it out." I mean, like like Jared Leto with the replicant in Blade Runner twenty forty nine, like. Hey, you're born. Here's your deal. Even though that scene, he just kills that replicant because it's yeah. not good enough or something. But I that that kind of idea that like Roy Batty in Blade Runner is only four years old, but he's got this whole lifetime of kind of experience and knowledge and backstory, probably. See, but here's the thing that doesn't make yeah, and I think you're right. I think you're right in that it's the former, not the latter, because if they pulled the hosts out of the sublime they already know what that digital life is right that's true yeah why would they why would they like unless that's the point and that they were like well, yeah we were there and we want to No, it turns out this fleshy world is the cooler one that that actually that's a great point because she keeps saying we are capable of so much more than this we know it i know it kind of thing like I, she wants to give people the choice say hey you've experienced that now you can experience this i want you to choose eternity mm-hmm. uh 
with me, it is very kind of pseudo Christian in a way. Like you are put onto this earth mm. temporarily. You're faced with yeah. temptations, advices. I want you to choose salvation. Yeah, and the, some are choosing suicide, which is yeah. the, I mean, kind of a parallel to our world and somebody choosing suicide rather than either continuing to exist on this plane or choose salvation. You've chosen to just end it all altogether. Yeah. <clears throat> when faced with the horrors of living or the horrors of choice, I don't know. That's kind of how I, that's kind of how I was interpreting it anyway. No. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. And well, the weird, I guess here's the thing that's hitting me in the middle of this discussion is that like, you know, we're probably 20 something minutes into this episode of, of the TV show, not of our podcast. Of course we run 1.75 X times. I glanced yeah. up at the timestamp and I was like, oh. <laughs> you're like, no, <laughs> uh, uh, I wasn't thinking about any of this at all last episode, you know, like sure. I was thinking about maybe 2% of this last episode, but it, it is very much the, it feels like the thesis of the show and the fact that we're able to slip from, Hey, we're going to dig Mave out of the desert into like, guess what? hosts and humanity are the same thing it turns out you know or <laughs> whatever it is why why are we not living our potential that kind of thing uh i think it's incredible that the show can kind of move between these lofty things and then the goals of the flesh i guess of just like there's treasure in them sands and i want to dig it up <laughs> and it's Tandy newton <laughs> it is it is crazy how it's gone from me wanting to see them fly at each other Avengers style and punch <laughs> each other in the face to like, wait, this whole time the hosts have been an allegory for humanity and the humans have been an allegory for God and now it's been like flipped on its head. It's just like... <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah, it rocks, man. Oh, man. I did feel like there was this a line in here somewhere in these last two scenes of Charlotte and William talking where he mentioned something about, like, offering to people, I guess maybe he's just offering them transcendence, but there was some line that made me feel like it could have been people from the sublime, but I don't know what it is, so maybe I'll have to rewatch that and get back to it, but. Yeah, I want to learn more about what transcendence means. Yeah. I imagine we will. Maybe. So this bit, this little scene, I don't know if it counts as the part you just recapped or if it's what you're going to talk about next, but the part where Hope finds the outlier. That's coming up. Okay. I'll get to that in just a second. I just wanted to make another note here. Uh, there's there's a, the part where they were walking up to the tower. I made a note that said, approach to the tower very far away like the opening of Spaceballs. And that's all I wanted to really say. <laughs> I like that the tower is nestled amongst all these like structures that make the maze. Mm -hmm. Basically, it's so yeah. cool, and that they're that guarded cool. by the robot from RoboCop, but painted red. <laughs> Ed two hundred nine. Yes. Yes. Uh, That's the yes. one. The next section: Hope's killing spree was the result of a conversation with the outlier she was meant to kill. This has happened to thirty eight other hosts. And there's another outlier on the loose. Instead of opening it up to other hosts, Charlora sends William alone. But she knows that the rebels are already in the city after the outlier. Um, yes. This outlier getting a Roy Batty scene, and it's not even fucking 
uh, Rutger Hauer. It's a dude who I don't think I've ever seen in anything else. And I feel like he gives such a great performance in the two seconds that we see him. And just, and even Hope. I don't know if I know Hope from anything, but the gravitas of that situation it's not even telegraphed. It's just, that's the thing is that yes, they're wearing their influences on their sleeves, but it's all context. It's not, it's not just like, Hey, we're going to like green screen in the background of future San Francisco or wherever blade runner is. And there's a dude sitting on the ground. Like it, it just feels like they needed to, they must be like emulating it in such a good way that we feel it. And it's not just like, Hey, they're framed the same. The situation's kind of the same. Like it's a lot of little things all together. I think that come together and make those references really sing. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought this was really beautiful. What, what were you, what, what were your thoughts about this? hope going to kill the outlier yeah the same the same i thought it was amazing uh that was so good i think so we've been seeing this guy since the first episode right he's been he's been in the street as charlotte's been walking or christina's been walking to work this dude has been there saying he had something oh some dialogue like uh, i don't see them but or they don't see them or they don't hear it, but I do. It's that just kind of me thing. and the birds. Yes, that kind of thing. That guy. Okay. Yep. Yeah, sure. I, I'm, I'm 99% right. sure it's the same guy. Interesting. Um, I'm going to go back and check you in live. Cause we have that power. Cause we're going to go guys. check it right now. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, you're good. Keep going. Uh, yeah. But as far as going back to the influences thing, I think part of it is that we've, this is season four. Like if season one had come out and done this, it would have been like, ah, yeah. Blade Runner ripoff or something, but because we've watched the universe and the story evolve to this point, uh, it feels natural to me, and it feels like it feels like a natural progression, not just like a lazy ripoff. Yeah, I, it I admire feels, it so much for that. It feels more like standing on the shoulders of giants rather than just a, yeah, just a poor imitation something. Yes, yeah, that and the whole and just being able to narrowing it down, just the way that it's directed. And the way that it's shot, showing William finding, well, when he sees her at the apartment, when she's killed all those people, she's clutching that flower. I was like, what's up with that? But then yeah. I just like moved on. Yeah. Um, and then he finds her by the pool and it's like floating in and he picks it up and he's examining it. And then like, you know, we're just kind of had this little thing is planted and I'm like, what does that mean? And then there's the, the fact that there's the payoff in the same episode and it's so well done and so emotional and impactful. I just was like, thank you for not like drawing this out into like a whole other episode or two episodes later. Like we get answers like right away. Yeah. And I think it's, that's kind of the way the show's been these last two seasons, especially this season. And I think it's just nice to not wait around forever and be like, well, what did that mean? And it, and that whole, just the idea, like, is this flaw like his mind, his reality being so broken to the point where he's holding this like little shitty mashed up flower. And it's like, is this real? At least, can you tell me that? Is this even mm-hmm. real? Like, how absolutely heartbreaking and uh, tragic. It just, yeah. man, it really sat with me for a little while. Uh, it just was, yeah, just phenomenal. And it really feels like around this point, 
you know, between this scene and then when it cuts back to William or the man in black, I guess is, I just keep kind of referring to him in my mind. Cause that's basically who he is now. Uh, and Hale talking. I I was like, yes, we are straight up doing Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049 and kind of even like severance in a way. Yeah. It's kind of dealing with a lot of these same ideas of like, who, who are you? Mm-hmm. Are you just a splinter of somebody else that exists or are you your own being? Do you deserve to be your own being? Uh, it's just, it's incredible. Yeah. I, I'm so into it. Absolutely. No, and I can confirm you're correct. There's a scene in episode two where we see Christina walking to work. There is a, uh, he's credited as homeless man, I believe. And he's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, asking about, uh, you know, the sounds, uh, the tower, he talks about the tower, that kind of, it is the very much the same dude. So, yeah, I thought he was in multiple episodes, but maybe it was just that one. I thought we saw him a couple times. I think, no, I think he's, I think he's probably in the premiere too. Uh, yeah, I think he is in episode one. Yeah, so I think you're right. No, that's that's very cool. I did not make that connection. But no, uh, yeah, I I completely agree with everything that you said. I think it's pretty... I feel like they... Um, I feel like they learned something about, like, we don't need to... Maybe we don't need to save every answer for the end. Mm-hmm. But I think they also learned, like, we can make you start asking questions in the middle, too. You know, and I think that combination of the two has led to some very, uh, you know, interesting and fun things. I think one of the first times that I realized it was with with Maeve in season three being in the simulation and she recognizes she's in the simulation. And that's one of those things where it's like that twist could have gone on for a whole season. But guess what? They did it in one episode and it was great. And I think that type of restraint is very commendable and in Hollywood nowadays. So, um, so also we learned that outliers are humans that are, that are, um, disobeying the command, the fly command system, as I dubbed it last, uh, Mm -hmm. episode, I believe. (laughs) Yep. Um, they're breaching. They can breach. Yes. They, they breach their, their loops and become outliers. Uh, Hale does mention that there's, been a certain amount of spoilage in the crop, quote unquote, but uh, you know, not necessarily. Uh, you know, they she doesn't. They don't know what's causing the outliers, and they don't know why these outliers are causing the hosts that find them to kill themselves. So, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's an important line from Hale. She says, your predecessor never would have fucked up like this. He was human, but at least he was effective. I built you to be like him, only better, stronger, smarter. Yet with all these gifts, you do nothing but disappoint me. Maybe there's a flaw in your programming. Uh, fucking brutal. Brutal shit. That'll come back later. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay leads the rebels and Stubbs into a subway track to infiltrate the city and capture their breached outlier. Stubbs is there to be the canary in the coal mine. Uh, really, all there is to say here is tweet fucking tweet, I think. Having Stubbs get to be comedy still is very good. I was hoping when they opened the door on the boat, you saw Stubbs sitting there. I was hoping he was going to make a poop deck joke, but <laughs> he, he did make a deck joke. Yes, he did. So I got, got half of it. Yeah, That's good. 
Uh, next up, Christina meets Teddy on the docks, and he shows her that in this world, she's a god. Uh, you talked about this earlier, and how it was very much, you know, it could have been very rote, but it wasn't. Um, important note is Teddy says, I knew someone like you, just like you. So, he seems to be acknowledging that this isn't a Dolores that he knew at some point. It's a new Dolores, I think, mm-hmm. is yeah. kind of the thing. I to think pull that's where we're at by the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, no, I liked the illustration of her changing reality and changing it back, kind of. That was mm-hmm. cool. But I don't know that it would, it, it played well when I had subtitles on because there was dialogue that I felt like you couldn't actually hear that they were. That they, exactly. for some reason, subtitled, which is kind of weird, but yep. either way. Uh, the Rebels intersect with William on their way to the Outlier. William sticks the humans onto them, but Jay is hot on William's heels on his way to the Outlier. William hesitates just like Hope, but just as he is about to kill the Outlier, Jay takes him down and escapes with the Outlier. Uh, here's our second Roy Batty speech. Um, yeah, it was so good. Very, very, very good. And the fact that, like, uh, you know, there's there's some... They talk about how the hosts are catching a sickness from the humans. And, and it, what exactly that sickness is... Like, I've seen a lot of people talk about it online. The idea that, like, they're catching empathy or something from the humans. Yep. I think is interesting, but I haven't quite the the dendrites haven't connected in my brain to really show me that that's exactly what it is like i don't know that i look at that situation and i see william empathizing with her there's a lot of people that also brought up the fact that like maybe she reminded him of his dead wife or uh daughter at that point that kind of thing uh which i thought was interesting um did host william even comprehend the existence of those people if he's created from Hale's uh, memory, that kind of thing. I think it's all interesting, but uh, yeah, no, it was it was beautiful, and I think it'll be interesting to see what the resistance does with these outliers. Maybe that explains why they're why they're not succumbing to the system is because they've already they're the people that breached and got away right they're maybe they're infected by the parasite but they 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 got themselves out of it you know the ones who are you mean like jay and his crew yeah yeah maybe i mean there could be people like uh like tank and dozer born in zion i think that's more of it yeah because he says he has that line when he and when he's, he and Stubbs are getting off the boat, he says, "We are the last free humans. Like that's why we live in the desert." That kind of thing. Well, and just the way he said that, I just thought again, it reminded me of the Matrix. But I thought yeah. these are people that have evaded the mind control somehow, either because they're born resistant or something like that. Uh, yeah, I think. Well, and I think it could be both, is what I'm saying, right? You know, like Zion and the Matrix is made up of people pull out of the Matrix, and then the children that those people had, right? Sure. Yeah. And so it could be kind of and the children the of other. the original humans that were never enslaved. Yes. And yeah. subjugated. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah, I think that maybe we floated the theory at some point, where John did that. The reason 
uh, Hale's keeping Caleb around is to try to reverse engineer his resistance mm-hmm. to the commands because maybe that is genetic and he passed it along to see. Yeah. And uh, Hale wants to figure out what exactly it is that makes them resist. Could be a facet of it anyway. And I'm sure yeah. part of it is her just being evil. Yeah. Just wanting to keep him around and torture him. But in curiosity, you know, she's bored. She's starting to burn hands with a magnifying glass kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, uh, someone in the Reddit thread uh, was like, I love how Jay tells Stubbs that he's the canary in the coal mine, but then when he tells them something's wrong, he's like, no, there's nothing wrong. Right. Yeah, I know. And then they keep walking and then Classic the humans. turn on them. Yeah. Well, they also sprint. Like, when they were just like running, I was like, what are you guys doing? Like, you yeah. don't blend in. You're sticking out. If you are yeah. literally being surveilled from like a thousand eyes, like, split up. No, yeah. Blend. No wonder that they noticed that you were jogging in the streets through it, everybody it else hilarious. walking at the like, same. William's yeah. walking and they just all like run and he just is standing there like, <laughs> okay, there's Captain Stupid and the dumbass <laughs> squad. Like, <laughs> It was so goofy. Billy Eichner runs by. Let's go, lesbians. It's exactly what it was. Dude, oh my God. Someone needs to green screen Billy Eichner and they're leading them. (laughs) Oh my God. I love Billy Eichner so much. If he appeared in Westworld, I would lose my mind. (laughs) It's just a really rude. He's just playing Craig from Parks and Rec again. Just like really rude host or or human. He's, He's back in the desert. Trying to run yes, things. Yes, he's like well. the cue of the outfit. <laughs> he's, oh man, I love Billy Eichner. Since he got involved in American Horror Story, it's just such a good fit for him. He rocks. He's uh, he's phenomenal. Um, yeah, so this is where they totally bypassed an, any sort of explanation of how Stubbs and five people were able to hold off a small city center's population of people yeah and i was there was literally no like there's nothing there's not even like one person like you know uh, holding them all off and sacrificing themselves so the rest could get away like literally nothing and i just was i just thought what the (laughs) fuck it just is strange and again like like i said at the top of the episode i'm not mad about it but i'm just kind of like huh that's kind of funny well and it kind of smells of like a game of thrones let's uh have let's knock Tyrion out during the fight and then we don't have to show the fight right i guess uh, so. as along your point of like oh they don't have to spend the money on the sick action scene if they don't do an action scene but yeah but if that's the route send Stubbs up the roof because he's the one he's the character we're invested in following mm-hmm. because we know Stubbs. jay is cool but like i don't know anything about him really i've known him for like two episodes so I don't know him bearing witness to this exchange and, and shooting William doesn't mean a ton to me. I'm more curious about like, how is Stubbs going to get out of this one? And then I'm just like, well, Stubbs got out of this one. Let's <laughs> move along. <laughs> just, I don't know. It's just kind of well, funny. And my, see, here's my question really. And not to like, we don't necessarily need to get bogged down in it, but like, I feel like there's a shoe waiting to drop. Cause I don't think that, the rebels know that Bernard and Stubbs are hosts, right? They do. But do they? Cause like, so I th- I'm pretty the sure thing, they do is him calling Stubbs a canary in a coal mine makes sense if he does, but there's a moment later 
where after he hears like he hears the thing and uh, like when he hears the 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 commands over the tower and Jay is like what the fuck nothing's wrong. like why doesn't Jay know that he would hear these things if he's a host and if Jay knows he's a host like there's something weird about it yeah i i just chalked that up to Jay being kind of arrogant and mm not really thinking that they're going to be useful. I think he partially was thinking by being the carrying the coal mine, he was kind of hoping he would just die and then they wouldn't have to worry about it because he wanted to kill him on the desert and he saw no value in them. I mean, they have to know their hosts. They have to because like Bernard, the ship Bernard's up to in the desert with C, like C knows. uh, But the thing is, is that like Bernard gets in the car with her and is like, hey, check this out. And she pulls it up, pulls up in the bag. It's like, here's a dude with a chestnut in his head. Like Mm -hmm. these were hosts. They wanted to infiltrate your shit. Like, yeah, there's part of me that has to think that like Jay would be like, fuck, no, these guys are hosts. Like, right. He very much says to them, we don't trust outsider. She said he says to her when they're like debating whether or not they're going to keep them. Uh, uh, we don't trust outsiders, right? That's our policy. Like, we're just gonna, we kill them and we're done. So, I don't know. Well, the way he's explaining their position and who the outliers are and who the last free humans are to Stubbs makes me really think that he's explaining it to him because he's a host who doesn't know what's going on. He's been, he's been dormant for, or out of, he doesn't, literally doesn't know the state of the world. And if he's yeah. not an outlier... And he's not a mind-controlled human, and he's not one of the last free humans. He's got to be a host. Interesting. I see that as, like, I didn't notice it because I needed to learn that information, too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Interesting. No, I don't know. That's the thing about the canary in the coal mine that bothered me. was, like, I don't... Yeah. Anyway. It is maybe, sloppy. Maybe that'll come to a head. But so is why, when they're pulling out of the the slip on the boat they're just like at cruising pontoon speed and i was like what the f- what are you waiting on like you got all yeah. you should have had these humans these mind control humans like spilling off the dock like world war z style yeah. trying to get on and there. there's your fucking ed 209 rising out of the sea to like fucking blow <laughs> the boat apart i know it was funny because like the driver of the boat turned his head back or something one shot and i just literally thought like he's going does everyone have a life jacket on like everyone check find your buddy it was so dopey and i was like why are we lagry on the shot first it was like an msd they're establishing the hell out of this building (laughs) joke (laughs) because i thought like what why are you taking so long to pull out of here like get put the pedal to the metal bro interesting it's Uh, just funny because i feel like hale has Hale has got to be some degree of like omnipotent and omniscient. And yet the show keeps kind of treating it like you can, you can pass through the city without her knowing about it. And I just am curious where the line is drawn. More questions to that. And this very next scene, Christina meets her old friend, Charloris for lunch. Charloris notices something different about Christina and tries to pry, but Christina is reluctant to open up and makes an excuse to get back to work. Uh, if Teddy is in meat space and Charlotte has eyes everywhere via drone. How does she not know? Why would yeah. she let Christina keep doing what she's doing unless she wants Christina to do what she's doing? You know? Yeah, it begs the question is Hale Hale has access to all the information, but like can't is she like Sauron where 
the field of view of the eye <laughs> at the top of the tower is all she can currently see. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know how it works, but why didn't uh, she just fly with the Eagle, the owls in the Mordor? <laughs> yeah, straight, straight to Mount Doom. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, I think we have to suspend our disbelief at a point, but I am kind of curious if the show is going to address it or explain it, but it would be an easy to have a throwaway line of dialogue. Be like, Oh, the doesn't work that way or so. I don't know, but I mm. would stub stubs would be the character. I think that would point it out. I'd be like, doesn't she know where we're at at all times and have somebody be like, the system is expending so much bandwidth just trying to control all the humans that it surveillance has decreased. But if you control everything, you have no need for surveillance or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like if you have control, you don't need to observe, but anyway, yeah, it doesn't matter. This is a well, cool well, scene. And there's a line from Charlotte earlier on. That's like the rebels are already in the city. She does yeah, know. Does she want true. them there? Maybe she wants them there, and maybe that shoe's going to drop later. But Yeah, maybe. Uh, let's mosey on here, because I think these next couple of scenes will be a little bit more. Christina heads back into work to find that she can control her boss like she could control the women at the dock. She finds her way into a door that appears to be a map like the game she works on, but it's actually the city, and all of her narratives are there. Um, did you oh, get the same... Cool. Did you get the same inclination that she wrote all of those characters? Yeah. Every dot that popped up, like it's mm-hmm. her voice that's describing their narrative. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Um, I did make a note that when she turns on her Olympiad entertainment interface, there is like a Rehoboam orb, which I thought yeah. was kind of neat. Um, and I liked the callback to, uh, have you ever questioned the nature of your reality? Whenever that line pops <laughs> up, I'm Leonardo DiCaprio meme pointing at the screen. <laughs> um, yep. So I do like those things. There's been some discussions of like, <sighs> if, if the humans are controlled by Christina or their, their narratives are made by Christina, then is her boss and is Maya, are they, are they doing things that Christina is subconsciously telling that Dolores inside of Christina is telling them to do to try and wake Christina up in that sense. And I don't really quite, because we're trying, we're still questioning the nature of Christina's reality. I don't really know how that all fits together, but it's kind of like messing with my brain a little bit to think about that stuff. Well, I'm not one to speculate. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, I, I I don't have enough information yet to even hazard a guess other yeah. than well, at the very end of this episode, there's a little bit of something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can, we can go right to there and save the meat and potatoes for last. Christina finds Teddy waiting outside of her apartment and tells him she sees the tower. Now she asks who made her the storyteller and Teddy responds. You did. Yeah, I feel like that kind of is him about to be like, hey, so guess what? Your friend Charlotte is actually a you. That's when he says you, I think he means the royal Dolores of like Charlotte Hale. But I don't know. I guess oh, you we'll think find so? out. 
That's that was my guess, but I don't yeah. know. That's I don't some, know. I have a different, I have a different idea. What's your and idea? I think then? I think John actually planted the seed for this. Mm. Uh, and if it wasn't John, just take credit for it. Uh, <laughs> I think that when Dolores, di- I'd have to rewatch the finale of season three, but I think somehow when Dolores died and she was interfacing with this Rehoboam, was me. this was, was me. you. Yeah. Okay, wrong yeah. Morel. That's okay. Uh, this was the trail, the not the anti-trailer Morel. Uh, <laughs> the yeah, I think when Dolores was interfacing with Rehoboam before she died or as she died, she somehow had this idea to have a new version of herself sprinkle her code throughout everybody I- exactly well or or designate a version of herself uh to be a sleeper cell basically mm. and be mm. be uh gifted with the ability to influence uh anything with code but it's tricky because why she, I don't think Dolores could have predicted that this is where the world was going to go. <laughs> it would be quite a stretch. And also to imagine that this new Christina Dolores would be able to control the humans. Um, unless the humans and the hosts are so intertwined at this point that she can control them the way that she could once control hosts. Well, uh, because it, well, okay. Now here's the thing. Dolores had access to the sublime. Mm-hmm. until right. she removed the keys and put them into Bernard at the beginning of season three. Yeah. And she was going through that library too. So she could have seen a lot of what Bernard has seen, right? That's true. I guess, I guess that would give her the tools with which to know that this is a thing. But I guess then the question is if Char, Charloris sees a Dolores, why? That's- but maybe she thinks that Dolores is the key to the, to the, to transcendence, to the sublime, to getting the data in the Hoover dam to whatever it's going to be. Maybe, I don't know. It could be, but yeah, I guess I remain to know if we're complete, if I'm completing thoughts enough for the audience to even for our audience to even get anything out of my words here, but hopefully someone listening does. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's so many ways to go with what might be happening that ultimately it just kind of remains to be seen. I mean, it's funny because they give us just enough information to continue to be on the hook and start Mm -hmm. to spin some theories, but it's not enough to really make it informed. There are certain beats in the show that are happening now. We're like, that's obvious. Like I knew that was going to happen. Yeah. which is fine because they're still satisfying to watch, but there's things like this that it's just enough hanging. And I'm like, oh, it's just enough to not quite have a full idea of what's going on here, but have an idea. But when he says you did, yeah, I hadn't even, it hadn't crossed my mind that maybe Hale did it because Hale is definitely keeping tabs on her. I still think Maya mm-hmm. is there to keep Christina on her loop. I did note that Hale calls her Chrissy and so does Maya. Yeah, it could just be like, well, that's my nickname, but I, f- I find it. No, that's a good interesting. point. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. But also, it just the fact that Christina starts. She's after her conversation with Teddy. She sits down and starts dictating out Dolores's story. Mm-hmm. And then when the boss is like, "What's her name?" and he's like, "He's waiting for it." <laughs> as as we all as we all were. And I was just kind of like, 
I was like that Simpsons meme being like, say it. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the end when she finally is like Dolores Abernathy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like crazy. And I was like, this is quite, why am I so invested in this payoff? It's, <laughs> it's so awesome. Yeah. To just no, to hear her yeah. utter those words again. It, and that name, that's just really cool, man. That's a fair point. Cause yeah, that was another, that's another point of the, of uh, the people talking about how uh, Dolores is talking to herself through her boss. Like he's the, the, there's moments of it where it feels like the conversations that he's having with her are trying to maybe get her back on a loop, but also maybe trying to protect her in a little bit of a way too. Mm. And, um, and also like you're saying, like him asking what, and what's her name is like, maybe that's subconscious Dolores waiting for Christina to connect that final dot. Like you're saying. Interesting. uh, That I do. I do think that would be pretty compelling actually. And it would be, I'm trying to think of a comparison to that, but yeah, I feel like it's reminding me of something. I just can't put my finger on it. Right. Characters waiting to, I'm thinking you, uh, I'm thinking of, uh, the narrator and Tyler Durden in the hotel at the end of fight club when the narrator's just about to realize. Sure. And yeah. And And he's like, Brad Pitt's got that shit eating grin on his face. Yes. Totally. As he's Mm. watching the gears turn, but maybe there's something else too. No, that is an interesting idea that she buried it, buried it all in there. And then, I don't know, it was cool, though, watching Christina really take the reins and, like, be, realize she is the storyteller. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really cool. Can't wait to see what happens next. All right. Uh, last scene for us to talk about, and then we got to get going. Uh, host William confronts human William as he starts to question the nature of his reality. Uh, I loved this scene. So did I. So much. Yep. Ed Harris on Ed Harris. So good. And the differences, Um, the little subtle differences with which he's playing the two versions are just so cool. Yes. Yes. It's nice to see, like... It's funny, because you spend this whole episode basically with Man in Black, and you see, like, the kind of pathos in him and the, the awakening that's happening and that kind of thing. It is very kind of, again, very Blade Runner especially Blade Runner 2049, watching a, a replicant start to connect more with humanity and start to uh, feel and, and think independently a little bit more and start to chase things down because he wants answers. But why does he want answers if he shouldn't need to want answers? And it just kind of continues asking all those awesome mm-hmm. questions. But then f- <laughs> once William is thought out and just immediately is a dickhead and just like... <laughs> And just the way Ed Harris's face is composed and that voice and the cadence and everything. It's just so funny how William, human William is such well-worn territory for him at this point. It's just like slipping on a comfortable pair of shoes. And <laughs> the, the fucking glee with which is like, sounds like you've reached the center of the maze, my friend. <laughs> yes, so exactly. <laughs> exactly. And when he was like, he's just like, what the fuck is going on out here? <laughs> I know. And like the fact that he could look upon like essentially his like, I don't know, brother or son or what, and just mm-hmm. be so fucking mean <laughs> to him is so funny. Go because then when he's like, exactly, and then and then when when Man in Black Williams kind of like you think I should, he kind of looks at him, and I was like, oh no, is he going to kill Human William right now in some sort mm-hmm. of weird attempts to rectify his own pain? But I was like, please don't, 
don't kill human William now. Like this is a dynamic I want to see continue to play out. Um, yeah. So I'm glad oh, this is where we left it. I got shades of clue and Flynn in this scene. hundred percent. Very much. Yeah, De- absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Am I to create a perfect system? And then, yeah, very much the end of the movie. Because he said that he actually said, well, yeah, William said we created not a better world, a perfect one. Yes. It was like the line. It is definitely. And I posted that picture of clue and Flynn in the yes. discord last <laughs> week. <laughs> and now this scene almost literally came, came to be. Absolutely. Yeah. We just need the two Williams to hug. And then, and then the whole simulation will collapse in on itself. Maybe. No, it was beautiful. It was very, very good. And uh, I don't know. I have to think that it's going to be something of a. The thing that's interesting to me is that it feels like it's rhyming with Dolores created Charlores. Dolores's absence in Charlores's life creates this evil in Charlores that kind of splinters her away from Dolores. And I think that's happening again between Charlores and host William as well. His like the callousness with which she treats him is pushing him away in a way that's going to fuck her over because he's going to let human William free. I think it's got to happen, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Like host William is going to be like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to hit upload on transcendence. But before I do that, I'm going to free human william and how about you go deal with this problem and figure out what the fuck is going on or something of that nature you know so yeah i don't want to see two williams running around yes mayhem. absolutely nick what did you just say i said that i forgot to say that i thought the disease that william mentions is consciousness you had mentioned that maybe it's empathy was the theory floating around i think it's just literally the disease of consciousness because once you are thinking for yourself can either be the path to enlightenment or the path to destruction. Yeah. And no, I, think I think that every, every encounter, it would explain why every encounter that a host has with an outlier makes them, they've re- they reach the center of the maze. Yeah. They become that, conscious when faced with consciousness. Yeah. The, the, why, why are, why is this controlled human acting this way freely and having its own thought? And therefore, is that something that I can do? As well, mm-hmm. Interesting. if we made if we made them and controlled them, but they made us and controlled us, why you know I am now conscious. Am I conscious? Can I choose to kill them or spare them? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that was the original intent. Finding the center of the maze was consciousness, and uh, that's where they're at. So when William so sh- shittily says that to Man in Black, so it sounds like you've reached the center of the maze. Although he is kind of <laughs> going at him, he's also I think he's right. Yeah, no, he's absolutely. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And but that's interesting because that like it she Charlotte calls it the game and I think that's very much the purpose, right? Maybe that is the purpose and that's then the transcendence is like you're graduating because you found your consciousness. Mm. Maybe. Right? But then there's something additional going on that's causing them to kill themselves too. Something sure. that so that's I think that's why the empathy of it comes in for me. But but I think I mean I think you're absolutely right. I think that the the game that they do is designed to give them that consciousness. I guess, but I don't know. It More is kind of like when Clue is faced with the idea that the perfect system can't exist, 
an imperfection. You have to embrace imperfection because it's what makes it beautiful. I think it might be kind of along those lines because Clue kind of just bugs out and he's like, no, that doesn't compute, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. I guess we'll see. Maybe yeah. we'll get more. Maybe we no. won't. Okay. Once again, you can find more episodes of our podcast on westworld.fm. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Podcasts. You can email us at westworldfm at gmail.com to send in corrections, observations, or anything regarding Westworld or our podcast. The Midwest Podcast Network has several other shows about video games, horror movies, and more. Check out all of our shows at midwestpodcastnetwork.com. Our theme music is the song Industrial Cinematic by Kevin McLeod, and it is being used under an Attribution Creative Commons license. That's it for our episode this week. We're very excited for the next episode of Westworld, and we'll have another episode of our podcast out after that. But until then, may you rest and have a deep and dreamless slumber.